We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast. I am Seth Emerson. Over there is Jeff Schultz. And uh, here at the Damn Good Podcast, we are nothing if timely. So let's see. Georgia announced a monumental change at offensive coordinator last Friday. So Jeff and I are hopping on the subject. Let's see. It's Wednesday. Yeah. Only five days later. Jeff, your your hot thoughts on this. Seth, as always, you are the light in my August as I lay dying here. I, I feel January. nothing but the sound and the fury of, of Georgia's offense Ugh. coming together. All right. Matt, as I look so up on the evening Faulkner sun. jokes. I'm sorry, what? And, and Buster Faulkner was not the offensive coordinator edition, by the way. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss last year. I understand, but, but there's no Monkin jokes. And, yes. and, and I, I don't know if he's even read Faulkner, which actually he'd be tied with me, really. <laughs> I had to look up the I titles. haven't either. I haven't either. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Greg Doyle, I don't know if anybody remembers uh, the name. He's a sure. uh, longtime columnist. He's now, I think he's still with the Indianapolis paper. I, I believe um, so. I think he went to Ole Miss, and one of my favorite lines from his bio is he uh, that he was at Ole Miss and he once read a William Faulkner sentence. Um, <laughs> I think good. Faulkner is one of those people like my namesake, Ralph Waldo Emerson, last name. Obviously, I did not inherit much of the skill uh, that people like to say they've read, but no one actually actually has. Sorry, Uncle Ralph, for saying that. Um, <laughs> is he but, is he an uncle, yeah. a distant uncle of yours? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a distant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. the, I, I, I can draw the family tree for you right now, but I, I that doesn't work on radio. Um, more directly related to like presidents. Well, one, James K. Polk, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, I'm related to a Civil War general named Leonidas Polk, and I made the mistake one time. Not a mistake, but I, I mentioned that to Vince Dooley to uh-huh. bring this back to Georgia oh, here sports. We, here we go. And Vince, Vince started telling me all about my ancestor, Leonidas Polk, and how he died, a cannon across his skull, you know, where he's buried yeah. and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right, well, I've got to go cover this game, Vince. Um, no, Vince is great. Uh, I could talk to him forever about history. But we, we're here to talk about Todd Munkin. Yes, and we are. Yeah, I believe our show aired like last Thursday or it was it was put online last Thursday. And we talked about Todd Munkin because the name was out there. But we weren't really sure whether Kirby Smart would go through with it. And he did. What do we think, Jeff? Um, I'm, I'm very talk. impressed. Yeah, yeah okay, thanks. Uh, this is what happens when we're not in the same room. I just have to wait till you stop talking. Uh, I, I, I'm look. I don't prejudge coaches, so I'm not going to say that Todd Munkin is absolutely a great inspired choice, and he's going to do what for Georgia, what Joe Brady did for LSU. And I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh my God, they they could have done better." But what I will do is credit Kirby Smart for understanding the situation, understanding that um, Georgia needed to go in a different direction. Uh, we hope that, um, and Georgia fans certainly should hope, rather that that you know it has the impact, obviously, of Georgia, um, and that, that Kirby will be dedicated to change. 
because as, as I think I mentioned in the last show, sometimes you can change people, but not really sort of change your mindset. Uh, I believe given all the changes that are going, that are happening, that he is committed to change. And I think that to me is the biggest positive we can take out of it. And then, you know, in terms of the rest, uh, I, you, you can talk about it. You laid it out uh, a little bit in your most recent story about the offensive changes. We'll see, number one, how how dramatic uh, Todd Munkin wants to change things, and we'll see how long it takes to, to change things to Georgia. Yeah, and, and the story that you're referring to I posted was um, Wednesday, The uh, not the first-look offensive depth chart story, but the depth chart story ran Tuesday. And when I started to write that, I started to talk about the monumental changes, like how they've there's so few returning starters and I started to look into like, okay, how much precedent is there for this? And as I went into it, I decided this is a separate story. And so I did one Wednesday. And as I pointed out in the story, there's different ways you can define returning starter. Like technically, Trey Hill is Georgia's only returning starter if you go by, uh, you know, started the majority of games last year. But Ben Cleveland started seven of them. George Pickens only started two, but, I mean, let's be real, he was a starter. Uh, he was enough to you know, be the leading receiver. Anyway, it is still, if you count those guys, very unprecedented for teams to have this few returning starters. And then on top of that, a new offensive coordinator. And Georgia does not have a good recent history in the first year of a new offensive coordinator. We saw that this past year. We saw that Jim Chaney's first year, and then things took off the next two years under Jim Chaney. We saw that in the Brian Schottenheimer year. Um, so do we temper expectations for this offense? Probably, but they've also got a really good defense that they can hang their hat on. And so it, it, it's interesting. I think Kirby Smart may have wanted initially – to just have some continuity on offense and and to tweak. But when Jake Fromm leaves, when, you know, he knew Swift and Andrew Thomas were going to leave, but when Solomon Kinley also leaves, Kate Mays leaves unexpectedly, um, at that point maybe he says, okay, maybe this is the time to tear it down and, and turn it back on. Um, that said, what is Todd Munkin going to do with this offense? I mean, he's not bringing in the air raid, Jeff, right? I mean, he's no. he's an offensive guy. Um, he's an NFL guy, though, and, and they're not running the air raid that much in the NFL. No, uh, and again, I think Todd Munkin, my guess is when, whenever it is that, you know, you or I or we ever get a chance to talk to him, which is limited in Athens, um, and, August, and, basically. Yeah, basically. And, and and maybe maybe Kirby will even touch on this um, at his next media access. What generally happens when a new offensive coordinator comes in is you put in, and this is a really general statement, you put in a certain number of things in the first year and a certain number of things the second year. Um, or you expect a certain achievement level, certainly in year one and year two. Um, now, the, the difference, you know, a lot of people are going to say, are going to try to compare this to LSU, and it's really tough because on one hand, Joe Burrow was there already, um, and he had a year to start at LSU, so he had a chance yeah. to sort of get his feet wet. Um, and then the real change came when Joe Brady, uh, the relative offensive coordinator, came in, in in year two of Joe Burrow being there. In this case, um, you have a new quarterback next year, presumably 
Jamie Newman, but at least Newman had been starting games. Um, and so I suspect, this is what I think is probably going to happen in, in 2020, is they're going to run elements of basically the same offense, but they're going to try to bring in some of what Monken was was has done in previous jobs. And I think the biggest thing is, in certain situations, they're not going to be as predictable. I think Monken mm-hmm. is going to look at things a little bit differently. Um, and look, I mean, a lot of people are going to look at his say, look at his history and say, "Well, how good can this guy be? He got he got dumped after one year with the Browns. He got dumped after after you know a year with the Bucks." This that's not really how it works. I mean, no. uh, first of all, in in Cleveland, you know. He was fine. The issue was was the head coach Freddie Kitchens. And, he didn't call plays. For he did one thing. Well, yeah. For, apparently, from what I heard, was he actually put together the script at the start of the at the start mm-hmm. of the game, and and Cleveland was fine at the start of the game off the script. But then after that, Freddie Kitchens sort of took over, and things got all screwed up, and Kitchens got fired. And you know, generally speaking, when a new coach comes in particularly an offensive coach which is what Cleveland hired they're not going to keep the existing offensive staff in Tampa Bay um Todd Monken actually worked for Dirk Cutter the current Falcons offensive coordinator and and the offense was fine under Dirk Cutter they were I, I think in 2018 they might have ranked first in the league in passing third fourth yes. overall in total offense yes. and yes. the the <laughs> the re-rise of Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the great NFL Phoenix, his success was due in large part because of Todd Munkin. I mean, so this guy knows how to go coach quarterbacks, how to get the most out of the quarterbacks. And I think that might be the biggest, the best thing that Georgia fans have to look forward to in, in 2020. Yeah, and I actually I heard conflicting things um, on how much – actual play calling he did at Southern Miss from 2013 to 15 when he was the head coach there. But, I mean, he put together that offense. He was definitely the play caller at Oklahoma State in 2011 and 2012 when you know, the first year he was there they had uh, Brandon Whedon and then Justin Blackman, the receiver. But then they both left in 2012. They didn't miss a beat. Um, now he kind of inherited a good system there. But still, uh, I've covered – coordinators here who seemingly inherited a good system and it did not continue that way well let's name Um, let's name one seth he he somehow still has a job calling plays in the nfl um but that yeah uh so you don't want to name it do you come on brian china there you go see i Um, I know i can pull it out of you (laughs) yeah so yeah it's very difficult obviously so yeah i mean look this is this is a good hire and it it stinks for James Coley. It does. Um, I, I think we can still debate how much he was at fault. Um, there's there's a lot that I think went into last year. You can't just simplistically say he didn't call good games and he didn't put together good a, a good system. Um, they had the the problems at receiver. Um, did Jake Fromm regress? Uh, the run game wasn't as strong. Um, was it because the run blocking was a little, you know, underperform expectations, or did, was it because the calls were not creative? Um, but 
James Coley, like, look, he thought he was going to be the offensive coordinator again in 2020. He was proceeding as planned. He recruited Jamie Newman. He, you know, Brock Vandegrift, this five-star who just committed to Georgia from down the street, James Coley was up involved in that until almost the moment that he committed. Um, but now I don't expect James Coley to return. Um, I think Kirby would like James Coley to, to stay on staff. He's an asset as far as a recruiter. Um, and by all accounts, a good guy. But uh, I, I think you might hear about him ending up somewhere else, possibly Texas A&M with his old boss, Jimbo Fisher. It's probably being hashed out right now. As we talk here, uh, on as we record here on Wednesday morning, James Coley is still listed on Georgia's <clears throat> website, upstate, updated website. Todd Munkin is listed on it too. Um, but Coley is there as assistant head coach, but like no definition. So I don't know. Maybe Kirby finds a way for it to work. But Buster Faulkner, yeah, who we were I, talking I, about I earlier, it, it, comes aboard and he could slide into James Coley's spot potentially. Yeah. I mean, as we as we sit here and Seth debate the barn burning transition to Buster Faulkner. Um, sorry, I think that's my last one that I wrote down, so I won't. I won't get any more Faulkner titles. I've in gotten there. like so. I've, I've gotten like none of these references. By the well, way, you, you should. Go we were talking Wikipedia. off air, and I was. I, I, we were talking <laughs> off air, and I, I, I just said I was glad that you you weren't going with Buster Poindexter. No, no. See, the mere fact that you said that suggests that this wasn't just all ad ad libbed here. Now you think this is all scripted? I got to hold on. Let me move this paper aside. There we go. Okay, we sorry. we should script um, some of it. Honestly, we should we should have more like production meetings. We well, should what? when news breaks on a Friday yeah. have that podcast on yeah. a Friday <laughs> rather than the we following Wednesday. We should. Maybe but we'll, we do on if we, we have do a, have schedules. Maybe if we have a so, podcast one day, we'll do that. You know, uh, it was a long weekend. <laughs> it was a long weekend. We had planned to do a podcast like Tuesday morning and then, or Tuesday afternoon. And then both me and our producer, John Hayes did not realize there was a meeting planned for Pacific time, Eastern time. We screwed it up. So yeah. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. He's you're, you're absolved from fault there, but anyway, here we are. You. It's Wednesday. We're doing it. Thank you. Just so, so basically of the three of us, I'm the only one who really understood that there is a difference between Eastern time and Pacific time. But yeah, well, this is the problem with like this working for this national company where the headquarters is on the West Coast. You grew up on the West Coast, so you're kind of used to it. I'm not, you know, I have to I have to keep that's okay adjusting. That's okay. You know, my, my time. But but back scheduling. to but back to Buster Faulkner. No joke. Um, I mean, look, if you look at it logically, here's a guy who who has coached at several places. OK, would you come to Georgia and I understand Georgia is a step up from other places he has been. But would you come to Georgia for an off-field position? I, I think, number one, what he's coming here for, uh, what we're talking about with Matthew Faulkner, not Matthew Faulkner, I was um, looking at Matthew Bowling for some reason, um, Buster Faulkner, is that he, all of his experiences at the group of five level, and he actually even played uh, at Valdosta State, um, I think he played there when Josh Lee, currently the operations director for Georgia, for Kirby Smart, was there, I think. Um, I know I covered a Valdosta State game when I was working for the tiny little Albany Herald where Buster Faulkner was quarterback. So this all, for me, goes back to South Georgia. But anyway, Buster Faulkner's experiences at the Group of Five level, he will come to Georgia as an analyst 
to get his feet wet here and to get his foot in the door with the possibility of getting promoted to an on-field job um, either this time around or he'll be waiting in the wings uh, for an opening down the line. See, and I, I think he came here knowing with the likelihood it's going to be on field this year. I, I don't know that, and I again, I could. it's pure speculation. I just don't think he comes here even for one year for an off-field position. I, I, I think they, he came here with the expectation that probably Kirby Smart, and again, this is not anything obviously anybody said to me, but with the expectation that Kirby Smart was going to hire a new offensive coordinator and that chances are the existing off, the, the previous offensive coordinator was going to leave and there was going to be some staff changes uh, and I think before before the opening game of 2020, Buster Faulkner is going to have an off-field position. I might be wrong about that. I just don't know that he would come here for an off-field title of a, what's his position right now. Which is title? Um, I, th- I think have, just quality control analyst. Quali- That's yeah, what he's a nice generic listed kind of, as on. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's pull it up right here. Good radio. I think you're I right. I think, is, I think offensive quality control yeah, is his official right. title. So it's not his official title on the website is not offensive quality control pending James Coley decision. Um, <laughs> yeah, shockingly, they didn't yeah. type that in there. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> we we'll have to get on Claude Felton about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we hear something differently, but right now as we record this, I haven't heard of James Coley being out on the road recruiting. Like Todd Hartley's been out recruiting with Kirby Smart. Um, I think Todd Munkin. You know, sat down with Brock Vandegrift. Uh, so I don't know. It may be that James Coley is reviewing his options. Um, maybe, you know, had the rug pulled out from under him last week and, you know, needs some time. I think I'd understand that. I think, like I said, I think Kirby Smart would like to have James Coley remain on this staff. But uh, I I also I, think that there's an opening at Texas A&M waiting for James Coley if he wants to take it. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that Kirby Smart would like James Coley to stay. But, I mean... But James Coley, I'm sure. Look, look the way, and by the way, the way things work a lot of times in coaching staffs is, yeah, Kirby Smart wouldn't want to fire James Coley anyway. But the reason, you know, a lot of titles have sort of been left un, unannounced right now or responsibilities in, in Georgia is Kirby is basically sort of waiting to see what James Coley is going to do, and yeah. and you do that out of respect for, frankly, even in the NFL and sometimes in college. You don't see the coaches get fired. You see that a coach is leaves and, and is hired at another school or another team, and and but there were in many cases those coaches were not going to be back with their team. But you do it out of a respect because coaches respect each other, and they're going to say, "Why don't you go look for another job?" And then when you leave for another job, we'll just say you left for another job. Um, and I that that is what I think is going on here. Not that James Coley is going to get fired, because again, I think Kirby would love to have him back. I think they're just giving James Coley the opportunity to land a job elsewhere. And yeah, you've mentioned Texas A and M, which is the most rumored destination, um, because there is an opening there, and Jimbo Fisher is looking for somebody. And yes, James Coley is pretty good, and I. And and I and I totally agree with you. I mean, this is a guy in terms of you know, let's not dump on this guy too much. This is a guy who had a pretty good reputation um, uh, when he came to Georgia, uh, and and I believe you 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 would talk to some people about maybe you know the job he did down in Miami. Yeah, correct? when I talk to people, yeah, there's this perception that he's failed twice as an offensive coordinator, and 
he I, it went worse at Georgia in one year when you had you know it wasn't much of a track record. You know you can argue that it wasn't fair to judge him on just one year. Um, at Miami, the people that I talked to said, look, he didn't have much to to deal with here. Um, he had to play to the strengths, which was the passing game. They really didn't have much of an offensive line or a running game. Um, Brad Kaya, the quarterback they recruited there, loved him, um, said he did a great job. But, you know, I, look, the, the results are what they were. And Kirby Smart, um, who thought enough of Coley in the first place to elevate him, went out and got a new offensive coordinator. And it gets back to something. You've made this point before, um, Jeff, that we, we don't know what happened when Kirby met with Munkin and what discussions they had behind the scenes and everything. But you talked about how Coley may not have had any leverage to change the system, change the offense if he wanted to because he was looking for a promotion from within. For Kirby to go get Todd Munkin, did Todd Munkin have that leverage to say, okay, I'll come, but I need to be able to do X, Y, Z in terms of my system? Absolutely. I mean, I yeah. And I look, we, and we're never, I don't know if we're ever really going to know, by the way, what happened with, with Mike Bobo. Um, uh, maybe you know more than I do on the subject, but yeah, I, I think. I, I, I think I think that ultimately that was a somewhat a mutual decision somebody mike bobo just didn't want to come back to an old place right now yeah yeah um and i and i i get that part of it and we don't have to jump into that part of it but but yes in general um what you're referring to is anytime somebody is on a on a staff which which james coley was here already and he's being offered a promotion you take the promotion anytime somebody has a job elsewhere um you, you know, it's like anything else, right? I mean, in our profession, you know, you get in the well. We'll go, but we'll go back to old newspaper days. If you were being quote unquote promoted from a smaller beat to a large to a bigger beat, you know, you take it. And yeah. in some cases, you don't even think, "Great, I get a bigger beat. Do I get another hundred bucks a week?" You know, this and that. No, you just take the beat. Okay, if you're going from one newspaper to yeah. the other, you you. In the old days, again, because I'm making newspaper references here, if you go from one newspaper to the other, you know, you're not only talking about what are you going to cover, but you're talking about salary and you're talking about leverage or maybe a couple of things you want. I mean, the greatest salary leaps and the greatest um, status leaps or power leaps come when you go from one place to the other, not necessarily with a, a promotion within the place. So l- let's spin this forward what this means for Georgia's offense initially in terms of how good do we think it could be in 2020. I, I looked at this sure. for my story Wednesday. I looked at precedent, and there there really isn't much in the playoff era. I mean, I think we could go backward and find some sort of uh, precedent that fits it, but I couldn't find one in the playoff era for a team of Georgia's stature. West Virginia did this past year. West Virginia, because Dana Holgerson left for the Houston job, they had a new coordinator they had a bunch of new starters and a new quarterback. Um, it did not go well. But West Virginia is not recruiting on the level of Georgia. What happens when a program like Georgia turns over basically everything on offense? Um, now, they've got returning players. They've got not only Trey Hill, Ben Cleveland, George Pickens. They've got Zamir White. Um, they've got good players to fall back on. They've recruited well, but they have a new quarterback, they have a new coordinator, and they have a bunch of new returning starters. There isn't much precedent, if any, for for what happens then. So some people may look at it and say, well, this is pretty bleak. You know, there's no precedent. It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. 
maybe Kirby Smart was a genius here and decided we're just going to turn everything over and therefore this is going to work. Or maybe, yeah, you need to temper expectations and say, mm, George is going to ride that defense. Yeah, I, I guess I, I I agree with most of that. The, the thing is, you know, in the SEC, even with all the problems Georgia had last year offensively, as we as we wrote about weekly and sometimes daily, you know, you, they still made it to the SEC championship game, um, and they basically then got run over by the best team in the country um, yeah. for an offense that we haven't seen for a long, long time and may not see for a long time again. Um, and now, especially now that Joe Brady is gone to the to the NFL. And Joe Burrow's gone with him, and and this leads. And, but let so let's let's start with Georgia, okay? I like Georgia right now. I, I like him for because you re, as you reference the defense is going to be good. All right, um, they are bringing in a quarterback probably lesser than Jake Fromm, but but a guy who can do a couple different things with a new OC. So again, I'm sort of interested. They have a game-breaking wide receiver in George Pickens, and they have a a good Zamir White who, who I thought looked really good in the bowl game. And I'm interested to see how he can do next year with with presumably a majority of the carries. And they're bringing in a transfer tight end, right, which we haven't referenced yet, correct? Yeah, yeah, Trey McKitty. Trey McKitty. So, so um, I, I think potentially they could be at least as good, if not better, offensively next year obviously the line is a question but there was going to be a transition with the offensive line anyway because you're bringing in potentially um a new scheme and new plays so those even the existing offensive linemen were going to have a little bit of a transition next year the other thing this hasn't really been talked about that much is presumably the two best teams in the conference is we based on this year and previous years lsu and alabama um are both going through transitions themselves, right? right? I mean, yeah. LS, LSU has lost its 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 Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, both of its coordinators, um, and and all of their seniors. And last count, nine juniors. <laughs> I, I believe. Yeah, a lot of you. people really like Georgia next year, despite all this. Right. Maybe because of all this, um, because. It, it looked Kirby was proactive and like people wanted to say uh, wanted to see Kirby do something with the offense and acknowledge an issue he has and so I think that's encouraged people the other thing is you just look at the schedule now week three they've got to go to Alabama which doesn't have Tua anymore correct um, we'll see what the rest of their team looks like they got Najee Harris coming back they've, 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 they've it's still Alabama it's still in Tuscaloosa but even if Georgia loses that game you look at the rest of their schedule, and I mean, later in the season at South Carolina, but Auburn comes here, um, the Florida game. Let's see how Florida's doing. I mean, there, there's you look at this, and I think an impartial observer would say that looks like an eleven-one schedule again. Right. And then you would get who I don't know I mean we no one really saw LSU coming so someone could come out of the west someone could come out of the east I don't know maybe it's Florida's year I don't know maybe Mike Bobo has this great effect on South Carolina right away I don't know but you look at it and I don't know that that Georgia is not the favorite in the SEC not just the east but the SEC because 
you you would get Alabama on a neutral site this time. Um, LSU looks like they're going to need a year to reload, uh, but or maybe not. But well, Georgia looks like I'd say the favorite in the SEC as we sit here in in January. I mean, I, I think if they're not the favorite, they're at least on the same level as LSU and Alabama again because there's mm-hmm. so many questions at both places. Um, I'd basically put all three on the same level right now. And, and I think how quickly all three of those schools come through these, this transition period uh, will be key. I mean, Alabama is not going to be bad. Okay, LSU is not going to be bad. But they, they both took hits. They took major hits. Right. Um, and Georgia's taking Georgia a hit. Took, Georgia took a major hit too. Yes, exactly. Um, but they still get to play in the East. Yes. And – you know, if if you put them in the West, they'd have some games, you know, between LSU, even the way they are, as much as they've lost, between LSU, Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M, those four programs alone, you'd have, I, I would imagine on a regular schedule, like two of those would be on the road. And you'd say, well, two of those are going to be tough. The other two, you know, at home, depends on who's home, who's road. But in the East, you're still waiting for Florida to make its move. And Tennessee, you know, you know, Tennessee comes here. I mean, it, Georgia has that advantage, and it, it kind of has this pass to the championship right now um, that maybe Florida will close it this year. Uh, I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt is able to continue to recruit players away from Georgia's offensive line, uh, you know, I mean, maybe. But <laughs> for now, uh, Georgia's the favorite. Yeah. I, I Again, I, I think they're right there. I think they're right there. And you wouldn't think that. You would think this would be sort of a year where they're vulnerable a little bit, um, particularly after Jake Fromm going pro. But I don't I don't think that's the case um, right. moving forward. So. Yeah. I mean, I would temper the enthusiasm and kind of pull back and say Georgia still lost a lot. But Kirby has been proactive adding Todd Munkin, going out and getting Jamie Newman, um, going out and getting Trey McKitty. They've got other recruits. I don't know that they're done. I, I look at their offensive line, and when I do their, their depth chart, I, I I don't know that they want to use that spot, but I think that if there's a grad transfer out there that they can kind of plug in there, maybe at left tackle, um, they'll look hard at that. But they've been proactive, but again, there's so much transition on offense that – I, I I still wouldn't be surprised if they do take a you know if, if if enough happens that they do fall back to ten and two or or nine and three because of that. Um, I, the, like I said, there's just there's not much precedent for this um, for for blowing it up and and coming back. But I think what is encouraging is Kirby Smart didn't say you know we'll just do some tweaks we'll be okay. Right, which brings it back to what we were talking about at the at the start. Uh, just in terms of he recognized William Faulkner. Uh, I wasn't going to go back that far, but I, I think I'm out of titles. Um, I can switch Good. to Dr. Seuss titles. Actually, I have plenty no. of those. No, um, I, I think no, we want to wrap the, this up. Let's not recognizing get that something had literature. to change. Um, yes, uh, recognizing that the barn was burning. See there, there we go. No, I already used that one. One was right. So. Yeah, Sorry. well, this goes got. back to a lot of people were were pissed off at Kirby's responses when he was asked about the offense after the SEC championship and 
when I asked him, and I think some other people may have asked him about what's he going to do with the offense, what about Coley um, in mid-December. And it, it was – I kept telling people, it's like, look, this is what he's saying, but he's also not exactly. saying – It's yeah, number one, watch what he does, but also what he wasn't saying was things are great – stability continuity will be you know we're going to continue with what we're doing he wasn't saying that he was very deftly i thought ducking the issue kind of throwing it back at the media which is what by the way people does and kirby smart has picked up on this but when when you don't really want to answer the question (laughs) or reveal your thinking you kind of throw it back at the media and kirby did that because i think he was holding his options open, and when Todd Munkin became available, he jumped. Yeah, t- two things that that the listeners and readers should know. Number one, things that coaches say in press conferences are not necessarily what coaches do. And and no. number two, um, coaches, some more than others, are very good about playing. And you've pointed this out before: playing exact words exact words and Kirby might answer a question in a way that would suggest the answer is yes or the answer is no but then when you go back and look at the exact words of the question then he basically had a nice hold he could slip through without ever giving anything away only in cases where a coach would say to me or an athlete would say to me you are so 100% wrong about this. Don't go down this tract. In many cases, off the record, saying, look, I know what you're getting. I've had many times people have said to me, look, I know the track you're going down. Don't go there. I'm telling you it's wrong. You know, then we'll go yeah. back on the record. That is not the case <laughs> with Kirby Smart. All right. It's like, no, when he says something at a press conference, don't you you really and we've talked about this before press conferences let's make sure we word the question exactly right to yeah. give him as little wiggle room as possible and he still sometimes finds a way out <laughs> yeah well i asked a when when i asked him in the mid december press conference about the offense and his philosophy and whatever i purposefully asked it as broadly as i could like do you have any other thoughts on you know there anything you even want to say, I think is what I said. And he just kind of hesitated and say, yes, we want to score more points. And he was being <laughs> yes, kind of, exactly. you know, he was exactly. being sarcastic and everything. But, and then he, then he, that's when he turned it back on me. He's like, I think you guys want us to go poof and it's all better and blah, 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 blah. That's when you can tell like, yeah, he's keeping his options open. Sure. You know, he, he, yeah. And, and, and you've now seen the results. Yeah, look, it, it's not like he just saw this recently in recent years. He saw this back at Alabama, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. saw what he saw. Nick Saban had to change. He saw LSU had to change. Um, he, he Auburn, obviously, a long time ago. I mean, it's 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 what's going on. He's not oblivious to it. He wants to win, but again, sometimes it takes a while to within yourself and within your own head of changing these tendencies that you tend to go to, and. Uh, you know, when he when he recruited Justin Fields, he definitely wanted to go in this direction. Um, but it was a matter matter of this is the guys you're these are the guys you're starting right now. This is what's working right now. And it's hard to break habits. It's really hard to break habits. But 
there are indications now that that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's what, to me, what makes the 2020 season so interesting because you have all these changing pieces and presumably a change in philosophy. So I'm curious to watch to see what happens. It's it's sure as hell making this a lot more fun season to, yes. to cover and to – it's going to be an intriguing 2020. Um, based on the analytics, a lot of people have been reading my stories about this offense, so it's been good for me. But it's been good that there's been this interest. And going forward, there's going to be a lot of interest. And let's save more of our thoughts for future podcasts, Jeff. How about Thanks, because I thought you were going to talk more about you and your damn analytics. Why, why is it all about you? You and how many people are reading me. And Next week, but we're going to talk more about me. <laughs> You want to, yeah, let's talk about your the analytics on your Georgia basketball column from a few weeks ago. Hey, I, I broke into it. Well, I won't. I'm not even going to say <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to. Yeah. Inside joke. Inside joke. I think I might write well, clearly not clearly not so inside. Clearly not yeah. so inside anymore. Yeah. 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 All right, everybody. Okay. Well, moving on. Thank you for, yeah, mo- yeah moving on as in goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I'll I'll let you take us out and give us any final thoughts. Oh God, you didn't see again. This is why we need a pre-show meeting to say what are you going to say at the end, you know. But I I got nothing. You know what? All right, fine. I'll take it. I look forward to next week when we're going to talk about you know possibly James Coley and what he's going to do at Texas A and M. How about that? Okay. Is that okay? All right, yeah. I thought you were going to say we are going to discuss the Georgia Ole Miss basketball game. That's, by the way, who they're playing Saturday. Thanks. Yeah, okay. No, I've learned my lesson. updated net and RPI (laughs) and Ken Palm rankings. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. Turns out I'm taking us out. Um, Thank you for listening to the sound and the fury of the Damn Good Podcast. We will be back next week. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.